Um, but yeah, we, we are into week three of our series um, called The Gifts of the Spirit. And um, last week uh, was actually the week, well, the week kind of week before was my birthday. I just wanted to put that out there. And um, so we're talking about gifts. No, I'm joking. There's a reason why I'm bringing up my birthday uh, because one of the things that I did this year is that I started to realize now that stepping into fatherhood that I don't actually have uh, the same amount of time to refresh and to relax the way that I used to. And um, one of the things that I have loved all my life is reading. But over the last few years, um, I read a lot of leadership books. I read a lot of theology books. I read a lot of social science books because those are my interests. And genuinely, in a season before fatherhood, they were also reasonably refreshing for me. However, now that I have a son who demands a lot more of my energy and my time, reading those books has become a bit of a chore. It's become something that I do because I need to continue to develop and I need to continue to grow. And um, one of the things that I found out or thought about is that I don't actually have a lot of like chill out books, fiction books, books that I don't have to think too deeply about. And so I actually came across this um, online bookseller and I thought, you know what would be really cool, uh, they, they were doing an end of year financial sale. And this end of year financial sale was $100 and they would put 40 random books into this box, right? 40 random books. And so I, I showed it to Beck a month and a half before my birthday and I was like, hey, you know what? If you want to get this for me, that'll be awesome. <laughs> and so uh, Beck did and the box came and it was, uh, it was actually a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. I thought like 40 books would be like the size of, I don't know, something more significant. It was kind of like that and that. And that was it. I was like, oh, it's a little bit disappointing, but it was okay. But one of the things that Beck likes to do is like she likes to drag out presents. <laughs> have you got a person in your life that's like that? It's, it's not like, hey, have this gift. It's like, have this gift and have this gift and have this gift and have this gift. And rather than get one awesome present, you get like five okay presents. No, I'm jo <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. No, it's normally really good presents, but what she thought would be really fun is that she decided to kill a whole bunch of trees and wrap uh, uh, all of those books up and give them to me one at a time, rather than just wrap the box up or just write happy birthday on the cardboard box. She wrapped it up and she gave it to me one day at a time. And so I was starting to, I actually started to really enjoy it, to be honest. I was like, every day's birthday, you know, you get a gift, you, uh, either in the morning or after work, you get home and it's like, hey, have this gift. And, and so I started to open them and, and I would read about what this book is about and I would, I would kind of judge it. Some of the books were, were kind of a bit weird. We chucked a whole bunch out to be honest, because it was just random books. But there were some that were really interesting. They were right down my alley. There was this um, murder mystery um, that included parakeets or something like that. And I was like, okay, that, that sounds something like that I would want to read. You know, like, how do these birds kill human beings? Like, that sounds awesome. Um, and all sorts of other books. There were a few biographies in there. And, um, and because there were so many books, uh, we started to dedicate one of our IKEA box shelf uh, squares to all my books and I started to put them in there and and every day I would add another one and then I'll be like man I can really see myself enjoying this I can see myself relaxing I can see myself being refreshed I can see myself just tuning out you know I don't want to go on my phone and be playing silly little games I don't want to be going social media because it's not really recharging these books are going to be a real asset to me and I I started to think like that and I was like this is so awesome and um 
And how many of you know that as much as those books um, and that gift was something that could really be of amazing use in my life, there's also every chance that those books will sit there on that shelf and never move, yeah. right? And um, there is, uh, I don't know, it's probably a 50-50 chance right now that there's going to be more dust on those books than me actually flipping through them and gaining some kind of refreshment from them. And uh, it, it is a little bit sad that that is the truth, but isn't that the way with every single gift that we get in our lives? You know, have you ever moved houses and then you go through all your stuff and then you, you find that gift, right? That gift that when the person gave it to you, you're like, man, this is going to change my life. This is going to revolutionize the way that I cut potatoes, I'm never going to cut potatoes the same way again. This is so amazing. And then you take that gift, you put it in storage, and it stays in storage for the next five years. And as much as that was supposed to be a revolutionary gift, it ends up just lying dormant. You guys are looking at me like you are so amazingly good at using your gifts. I feel really judged right now. Just letting you know. That last time that you spring cleaned which right now maybe some of you have done. You looked at that thing and you went, oh, that top. I was like, oh, that top's going to look so cute on me. And you know what? The cupboard has had more use for your top than you did. And I'd like to highlight that the gifts of the Spirit are the same. The gifts of the Spirit are not given to you and suddenly revolutionize your life without you using it. And the Bible is very clear about this. Um, last week I did, uh, through the screen, which is a little bit sad, but through the screen I shared a couple of passages uh, where Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. And he writes this in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And again in 2 Timothy 1 verses 6 to 7, he writes, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If, if the gifts are meant to be automatically used in your life, why would Paul need to tell Timothy, do not neglect it and fan into flame? Right? If those gifts suddenly, like a transformer, transforms itself and hooks up into my life and is automatically there and, and, and is just something that just bubbles out, out of me, then Paul would not need to tell his protege, you need to use this gift and do something about it. So it's clear to us that the gifts of God, which is precious, uh, which is powerful, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, uh, they, they can be of such amazing use only if they are used. These gifts are meant to be a dominant force in our lives for the common good, like we've been talking about, but they can equally also be dormant gifts that collect dust in the shelves of our inner life. We get to choose whether they become dominant gifts or dormant gifts. That is your responsibility. God didn't make you sign a contract saying you must use these gifts. If not, I won't give it to you. Because we have a generous God that gives you free will 
And so he said, you know what, I want to give you this gift because I am a good father and I want to see you activated and doing amazing things in your life. But you get to choose whether you use it or not. And so we need to ensure that we are not neglecting the gifts, but instead using them. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to be used. And so that's what I want to talk about today, because I think it's important for us not to just be, oh, gifts of the Spirit and throw them out there, and then tomorrow you've forgotten about it and is not doing anything. Rather, I would love to see our church full of people that are fully activated and in the stewardship of the gifts that God has given to them. And that's what I want to talk about today. And, and I think it's very interesting that the way that Paul talks about this, um, in, in, one, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 67, he says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And then he goes on to say, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Which I think is kind of interesting um, that, 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 that uh, sorry, that Paul was saying that the spirit gives us self-discipline. And one of the things that I have learned recently, and one of the things that I have noticed about our culture, is that we have probably gone into a bit of a habit mindset. You know, and you can go around, and not just in churches, everywhere, you will talk to someone and they will say, oh, I'm trying to have a clean eating habit. I'm trying to have an exercise habit. I'm trying to have, uh, you know, um, I don't know what other kind of habits you might have, uh, but people talk about all sorts of habits. We are entering the end of the year. People are probably going to make some year-end resolutions, and probably the year-end resolutions are going to include some habits that you're going to try to form, right? That's very normal. In our church setting, we hear a lot about habits as well. I hear about habits all the time. People are telling me, oh, Nate, I know I need to work on my Bible reading habit. I need to work on my prayer habit. Now, there is a problem with this understanding of habit because, as a psychologist puts it, when you hear someone say they want to start a habit to do something, uh, there's a quote that's supposed to be on the screen that might come up. That, there we go. Uh, when you hear someone say that you, they want to start a habit to do something, is shorthand for wanting to make a hard thing easy. It doesn't work that way, folks. By definition, deliberate practice cannot be habitual. And he goes on to explain that habits are impulses uh, to do a behavior with little or no conscious thought. Habits are unconscious behaviors. One of the habits that most of us have is a driving habit. Remember when you first started learning how to drive, I was learning how to drive a manual car, and so there was a few things that I needed to coordinate. And I, I'm not the best at coordination, and when you have two feet and two hands and eyes and your neck, and, and I don't know, your bum needed to be seated in the right, I don't know, there are all of these things, right, that you need to take care of and to be considering in terms of how you behave for the car to move forward. You needed to make sure that your clutch was in the right position uh, in accordance with your uh, accelerator, and then you need to find the biting point and oh you missed the biting point and then when you miss the biting point you put far more accelerator in just so that your car doesn't stall and your car bunny hops and then your instructor tells you off and then you're changing gears and you need to find out where gear one and then you need to go into gear two but somehow your gear stick has moved into gear four and you're like how did that happen because you need to deliberately practice putting the gears into place 
Now, I've had my license since 2003, so what does it make it? 17 years of having my license. I now don't think about my driving. Most of you, even after a couple of years, stop thinking about your driving. You get into your car in the morning, you get to work, and suddenly you realize, how the heck did I get here? I don't even remember seeing any cars on the road. I could have been in an accident. It's freaking you out. In fact, when you're in that place and you start to think about your driving, what happens? Your driving gets worse. This was actually true for me just a little while ago. I started to think about my driving. I was like, I'm wondering if I'm getting really smooth takeoffs. And I was like, oh man, I think I'm such a good driver. I do smooth takeoffs. And I was like, oh look, you know, I'm finding the biting point. Oh, oh, where, where the heck did that biting point go? And I bunny hopped my way through the lights. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, rookie driver, rookie driver. 17 years, what the heck happened? Because it was an unconscious habit where my body was able to take note of all the impulses and the way that it works so that I did not need to be conscious about it. That is okay when it's behaviors that do not require conscious thought. But when it comes to a relationship, if let's say I came back home one day and I went into autopilot and I did not really, really consciously engage with what my wife was saying to me, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Every woman knows it, every man knows it, yet many men still do that. We go on autopilot, mm, ah, mm, 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 mm. and then suddenly your wife throws in a question because she knows that you're not conscious in the moment, and so you're going to take out the trash, and, mm, yeah. and then later on she holds you hostage, that never happens to us, I'm always a conscious husband. But you know what I'm talking about, in our relationships, in anything that requires conscious, deliberate effort, a habit is not what you're trying to form. What you're trying to form is discipline. Yeah. Is discipline. You do not need a Bible reading habit because you cannot form a Bible reading habit. You can form a when you read your Bible habit, but you cannot form a Bible reading habit. Reading the Bible does not get easier, it gets better. Praying does not get easier, it gets better. Because with discipline, I'm getting stronger. With discipline, I am doing the practices that build strength into me. In my relationship, because it takes effort, but with the effort, my relationship gets better. With the gifts of God, you will not have a gift of God habit. You will not have a hearing from God habit. You will have a hearing from God discipline. And so Paul tells Timothy, you with the Spirit will be given self-discipline. Now that was really strange. Because if you think about this, if the Spirit gives me self-discipline, then is it spirit discipline? Who's the one that's being disciplined? Why is it me that is being disciplined, but the Spirit is the one that's giving it to me? How does this work? Does the Spirit tell me off? Does the Spirit slap me? Does the Spirit uh, tell me to do 20 push-ups whenever I do something wrong? How does this work? And I was thinking about this because it's important that we realize that one of the uh, things that the Spirit does in us is that He helps us develop self-discipline. That's what the Bible tells us. And what does He do? Now, now that I'm a parent, right? And I'm thinking about my son growing up. 
Every parent should want this. You want your children to be self-disciplined. Any parent does not want their child to be self-disciplined? Any parent want their child to be self-disciplined? You guys are not responding to me today. Yes, yes, we want self-disciplined children. Absolutely, two hands up, two feet up in the air. You want a self-disciplined child. How does your child get to a place of self-discipline? Do they just get it one day? No. Every parent knows that. No child suddenly wakes up. I feel self-disciplined. I'm going to be disciplined today. I'm going to pick up my mess and I'm going to eat my food well and I'm going to be a very responsible human being. No child wakes up that way. What does a parent have to do? Pick up your clothes, brush your teeth, comb your hair, wash it behind your ears, give me a kiss, all of those things. You need to remind them, put boundaries in place, show them what life is like. And then one day they will go, oh, there's value in what my parents are teaching me. And because there is value in what my parents are teaching me, I want to do it myself. That's when self-discipline begins to happen. I learned piano from the age of four. And for years, my mom badgered me and told me off because I did not value practicing the piano. At first it was half an hour, and the further I got along in life, it started to get longer and longer. And then suddenly one day, I wanted to play the piano. It took about, I don't know, about eight years before I went, the piano is actually pretty cool, and I want to learn the piano for myself. And so suddenly what went from a chore became something that I knew I needed to do in order to get... Now, hear this. I didn't enjoy practice. I never enjoyed practice. Even in my best days, practice was still a chore. When I was getting high up in the grades, it was an hour a day. I did my grade eight exam and I was 17 years old doing my TE at the same time. I came home from school and I did an hour's practice so that I would be able to sit this exam so I get this piece of paper that no one has ever seen. <laughs> but I learned how to play the piano and I got good at it because I got disciplined and somewhat self-disciplined along the way. You see, the Spirit disciplines us by showing us what life can be like, what life should be like, where life is and where death is. You see, Galatians 5.22 puts it this way, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control again, interesting. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now many people get confused by this because they think it's the fruits of the Spirit when it's really one fruit of the Spirit. It's God working in us. And then many people think that the fruit of the Spirit is a gift of the Spirit. There's a difference between the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is the fact that the Spirit lives with you and is able to speak with you and is able to give you the ability to do amazing things. But the fruit of the Spirit, it is the produce of what happens when I walk in alignment with the Spirit. When, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is because we have been disciplined enough to listen to Spirit's voice. So when we walk with Spirit, when we discipline ourselves to hear what Spirit is saying, 
Spirit is pointing us towards love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things don't happen just because you sat here this morning. Those things happen because Spirit speaks to you and says, what you're doing is not loving. And you go, okay, so what is loving? That's loving. Okay, I'm going to step into that. And then Spirit tells us, that's not kind. Or maybe in a more positive way, Spirit says, this is what kindness looks like. Awesome. And you step into it. Suddenly, you've been taking steps with the Spirit as Spirit shows you what things look like, disciplining yourself to hear Spirit. And when you hear Spirit and you obey Spirit, fruit starts to be formed. That is what the discipline aspect of our Christian walk is supposed to be. So many of us think that we come together on a Sunday morning, someone prays for you, suddenly you become a better person. Rubbish. You only become a better person because you're disciplined enough to put the truth of God's Word in your life. That's why you need the Word of God. Because the Word of God shows you what love, joy, peace, kindness, forbearance, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control looks like. And it also shows us what happens when we follow our flesh. Some of you are going, man, I don't know if I signed up for this. You know, all these Christian people saying that following Jesus is a relationship and not a religion. You know what? I think we've done the world a disservice by dropping the word religion. Christianity requires religion. Christianity is not a religion, necessarily, but Christianity requires religion. What do I mean by this? Religion is simply disciplined practices that you do. I religiously eat breakfast every day. I religiously brush my teeth every day. I religiously shower and change my clothes every day. We are all religious in some practices. Why? Because there are practices that we do all the time. When it comes to the, the things of God, we need to become a bit more religious. We need to actually be disciplined enough to do some things in alignment with the Word of God. We, you know, James puts it this way. He says, faith without works is dead. You can call yourself Christian, but if you don't have the practices to back it up, don't call yourself a Christian. Just because you said the sinner's prayer, but you're living nothing like what the Bible describes as a person who is following Christ. It does not mean that you are a, you might be a Christian by name, but you're not a Christian by substance. Faith without works is dead. Don't say that you believe a God of salvation when you are so insecure about your salvation. Don't say you believe a God who provides when you work your butt off um, 50, 60, 70 hours a week in order to provide for yourself. Don't say you believe in a God of love when you don't know how to love yourself. Don't say you're a Christian if Christ is not in you. Don't say you're a Christian if Christ is not in you. See what the Spirit is meant to do. The Spirit was given to us so we have this voice on the inside of us, guiding us, teaching us, advocating for us, comforting us, empowering us to do what this book has shown us capable of. 
but we actually need to do it. We actually need to do it. Now, Paul told Timothy to fan into flame the gifts. And I think, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, that, that picture, and, and I was looking into it. And it basically means to not allow um, a fire to go into embers, you know? Just like on the left of that picture, just charcoal is, is, is just embers. And it says to fan into flame. So it's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to have a flame. However, I think most of us as Christians, myself included, thought that fanning the flame was lighting a candle. That was actually the picture in my mind. When I said fan the flame, I was like, okay, I want, I want some fire. And I was like, click the lighter on, put it onto the candle. My gift is lit. No, 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 that's not actually the picture in the Word of God. When it says fan the flame, the word fanning the flame, the, the word flame actually has its root in the word beast. When Paul told Timothy to fan his gifts into flame, he said, make sure that your gift is beastly. Make sure that it's so hot that it's like a forest fire. Make sure it's so hot that it consumes everything that it touches. When it says fan into flame, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, now it's safe and I'm just going to leave it there. No, no, the discipline of a person that is gifted requires that you have a gift that not only looks good, but it actually consumes. You see, we're meant to have gifts that are actually effective and not just look good. We're not supposed to have gifts that you can go around, look, oh, look, I'm prophetic. But then you are living an absolutely ridiculously unattractive Christian life. The gifts are meant to point people to the source of your light and your life. The gifts are meant to point to Jesus. And that's why we've been talking about this, that the gifts are meant to serve the common good. And when the common good is our perspective, then being on fire should be our perspective. Not just tiny little lights, but raging beastly fires for God. And that's what we need to understand, that the disciplines in our life will get us to a place where the gifts in our life are consuming. We actually want to use our gifts. We actually want to see people impacted by our gifts. I know that my teaching gift is a gift from God. I'm a teacher. I love finding things in the Word of God. I enjoy preaching it. I hope you can see it. I don't just stand here shouting because I'm getting paid for it. I'm doing this because I am passionately in love with God. I'm passionately in love with His kingdom. And I'm passionately wanting people to see the truth in God's Word. And when I don't teach, there's something in me that goes, ah, that is missing. There is something in me that goes, oh, I wish that I was given the opportunity to use my gift. That is what it's meant to be like. It's meant to consume your thoughts. Am I bringing glory to God's kingdom? Am I serving someone today? Am I helping someone get closer to God? Am I helping someone get activated in their faith? If you're not asking those questions, you've got a dusty gift that is dormant and useless. This is not what it's intended to be. It's intended to be a raging fire. Now, I really hope that you hear this. We need to value the gifts more. 
But know that the gifts are not meant to be the showy ones like the teaching gift or the prophetic gift. The Bible talks about the hospitality gift, the mercy gift, the service gift. Oh gosh, imagine getting the service gift. The leadership gift. The Bible, Paul tells us, I used this, I think, last week or the week before. And he said, if your gift is to lead, then lead. If your gift is to serve, then serve. If your gift is hospitality, then hospitalize people. <laughs> no, sorry. Because we, we, you see, some of us think that the, the value of our gift is in the result of our gift. Some people think the value of our gift, you need to hear this. Some people think that the value of the gift is found in the result of the gift. We don't know the results of our gift. Remember, Jesus said this, some of you, by showing hospitality to someone, has been serving angels, and that is going to be counted to you on Judgment Day. Jesus didn't say one day you might have taught someone that you don't know and that person is better because of your teaching. He used hospitality. Not because hospitality is of lesser use or of smaller value, but that is because sometimes the things that we value in this world are not the same way that God values them. Remember when God wanted a king over Israel, he didn't look for the strongest, he didn't look for the best looking, he looked for the shepherd boy that no one counted on but the one whose heart was to serve God. That's all we need to be realizing in our lives if we want to have our gifts. If you want to fan the flame, you've got to value it. You've got to value that God has gifted you to do something beastly and massive. Some of us have dusty gifts not because God hasn't given you a gift, but because you just don't see the value in it. No, I don't see that God's given me anything. Well, how do you serve people? That's what the gifts are for. When you serve someone and someone's fed that back to you, have you gone, yeah, thank you, that's a gift that God has given to me. There's some people that have got hospitality gifts, and you just think that, oh, is this something that my mom taught me? Yeah, my mom's taught me a lot of stuff as well. And I can spend an hour trying to make a room look hospitable. And then someone, hospitality gift comes in five minutes, zhuzh this up, moves that, suddenly it's like, oh, it's home. I'm like, how the heck did you do that? There's some people of a mercy gift that just knows when someone's struggling. I don't. I'm the worst. I've studied counseling. I have... And sometimes I'm like, oh, that person's fine. And Beck's like, no. That person's, I was like, are you serious? And a few days later, the person's like calling Beck up, crying, like, oh, I'm struggling so much. And I was like, how did you know? Gift. But then for Beck, it's like, oh, no, that's, you know, that's just my normal intuition, you know, female intuition. I'm like, no, it's a gift. You served someone and you served someone well. That person is built up because of your service. That's what God is wanting us to do. Be a church full of people willing to serve whatever it takes, whether it's the showy ones or the less showy ones. You know, God talks about how the showy ones have probably already got their reward. 
A lot of my reward is from you telling me that I preach so nice. Thank you. I love it. But you know what? You're stealing from my gift, my reward in heaven. But then a lot of you guys are serving without anyone really knowing. And God says, I've seen it. When you clothed me when I was naked, when you gave me food when I was hungry, you served me. It's a gift. We need to be a church full of people that values every gift. That values every gift that God has given to us. I just want to land on this point. I hope that you see the value and you see the gift and you want to do something about it. But this is one last discipline of a gifted person that I think we all need to hear. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Listening to the Spirit, that's how you know what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from Spirit, etc. Now, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. We translate it, be filled with the Spirit. And our picture in our minds is that it's one filling. So I'm filled, I'm full, I'm good. The picture, though, in the Greek is that there is this constant filling. See, the use of the gifts sometimes will drain us. In fact, the use of the gifts should drain us. Remember when Jesus was walking one day and a lady with the issue of blood came and touched the edge of his cloak? What did it say? It said he felt power move through him leave him if for jesus when he was healing someone he could feel power leave him how much more when we are active in our giftings power is leaving us not because it's a bad thing power accomplishes what is meant to accomplish the power is not just meant to be a potential power it is meant to be an active power right and so what paul is telling the church in a in, in Ephesus is to be being filled, to keep being filled with the Spirit. When we end up dry in our lives because the Spirit is not talking to us, the gifts also dry up because we are not listening to what Spirit is saying because we're not filled as much anymore. Our tanks are now empty. So all of these disciplines, all of these things that sometimes you're like, I don't have that habit, work on it, read your Bible, find God, gather in small circles, in small groups, and spur one another on, help each other to understand what the Bible is saying, because you don't want dusty, lame old gifts, you want gifts that are accomplishing what God is wanting to do. And the reason why we need that as well is because the gifts were specially distributed to you. That's what it says. The Spirit distributes the gifts as He determines. He didn't give it to you to be a burden to you. He gave it to you because it's the best fit in you. That when you are living your best life, that gift is active. It's basically is accomplishing something. And then as you keep using that gift, keep getting filled, keep coming back. What does it mean to be filled afresh with the Spirit? Things like today, gather together, worship with that amazing presence of God in this place. It's like, fill me, God, fill me. 
when you're feeling dry, get around other people. Feel me. Read the Bible. Pray. Worship in your time. Focus in on God. Be filled. Be being filled with the Spirit. I know I've possibly gone a little bit here and there, but I hope you catch my heart today. Using the gifts is a discipline. If you're not willing to be disciplined, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you don't understand God's heart. Maybe you haven't really encountered God's love. Maybe you haven't really understood that God has got you in this place because He wants you living and truly living. And we need to get used to being disciplined. Can we invite the band up this morning? I just want us to have a time of filling. I just want people walking out of this place this morning going, I'm so filled with the Spirit. I'm so stirred up by the Spirit. I'm so listening to the Spirit. I'm so needing to serve. I'm so needing to do what God has put in my life. And by service, yes, it's on a Sunday, is on the official lift stuff that we do, but it's also in your workplaces, is in your families, is in your personal life that God is wanting to move. My heart is not that you see God calling you to come to church, even though it's so important, but that God's called you to make an impact on this world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I pray that we will fan into flame. Spirit, I pray that there's a stirring right now that every person that is listening to this message, even those that might be listening to the podcast at the later date, I pray that you are stirring in us, showing us the value of the gifts that you have placed in us. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.